Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. On today's Rutherford Issues, we are focusing on Rutherford County Schools, and um, we've got Communications Director James Evans joining us. We um, usually typically have, you know, every month, Rutherford County School Board members, but we're getting ready for a big transition with our school board, aren't we, James? We sure are. So uh, we had the elections, obviously, in August, earlier in August, and uh, we have three new board members coming on on to the board, and they'll start officially September 1st, which is next week. Their first meeting is September 13th, and they're going to have a special call meeting that night to decide who is who will be the chair and vice chair. Well, I know that that, that has to be... Uh Every school board member that's come on here and and mentioned their time on the board, it's like information is, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, what you have to learn and know and that kind of thing to being a new new board member. I've worked with a lot of different school board members, and every one of them have said after they've been on the job for a few months to a year, they didn't know what they didn't know until they got on the board. There's yeah. just so much about public education between state requirements and federal requirements and all, everything else that factors into it. It's a it, the first few months is a huge learning curve for them, I think, uh, and they always gain an appreciation for you know what the teachers and the schools go through to operate a school system. I, I would think that um, you know w- when you talk about change of, of this level with three new board members, people will automatically assume, well, we're going to be able to do this and that. And you mentioned federal regulations and state regulations. There there are reasons why things are done the way that they're done. There's not a whole lot of leeway for the most part. Well, yeah, and Dr. Sullivan's our new director of schools, too. He's been actually providing some information to the board members to help onboard them and answer any questions they have. And I think that's been really beneficial uh, because they've been talking about how do budgets work. And there, see, there's multiple budgets that actually make up a school budget. You've got your capital budget, which is for your building program, and your maintenance budget, your actual operations budget, your cafeteria budget. All those things are separate, and they make one big puzzle once you put them together. Um, but you're right. There's a, you, you assume that when you see the size of our budget, there's a lot of leeway. But, you know, there's not really a lot. There's usually about, you know, maybe 10% that has a little bit of wiggle room out of the whole picture. And the, just the the requirements, number of teachers per kids in classrooms. I mean, anything that you can think about, there's probably a, uh, some kind of federal or state statute. Yeah, so most of our budget, a huge portion of our budget is driven through payroll because we have to have so many employees and teachers per the number of students. And so, of course, that is, as it should be, is a majority of our budget. We're, we're hiring people to teach those children. And so when you figure in benefits and salaries and things like that, that is somewhere around 80% of our budget. One of the things that uh, I guess every school district across the state is dealing with is uh, the teacher shortage. Uh, How is Rutherford County faring now that we've been in school here for almost a month? We're in better shape than we were last year. We always start school district or the school year with uh, some positions unfilled. Some that's because of growth. You know, more students show up than maybe we anticipated at a certain school, and so we have to make some last-minute adjustments and changes. Uh, but everyone's also competing right now because the universities, fewer people are going into education, and so uh, there are, there's a much smaller pool of potential teachers for everyone to fight over in the district and or in the in the state when it comes to the school systems. And with us being the fastest growing in the state, you know, we have a lot more positions to fill typically. And so uh, we've got, 
I think we're down to about 20 positions that they're still working on to get filled. Um, and then we also have some internal programs that help us grow our own so we can help our classified employees transition to become teachers and get their teaching license. We can bring in industry experts. Like if you're an engineer or you have a background in math or something like that, we can actually make you into a math teacher um, through various programs that we have and help them get that license quicker, still meeting all the rigorous requirements, but it helps transition them into a classroom. So we're doing more of those things because we've got to get our own people prepared to be teachers. And you bring up an interesting point when you talk about competition. I mean, you're competing against Williamson County and Wilson County and, you know, neighboring counties within you know, an easy morning drive. Um, so you have to keep up with salaries and all those th- kinds of things. And what, Be and what, competitive. Absolutely. And what we're hearing from other counties around us, other districts, is that they're calling us saying, how are you guys in such good shape, even though we don't have them all filled? Uh, we are seeing that. And so I think part of that is just that great blend of things that we have here in Rutherford County, the quality of life, the proximity to Nashville, the the home prices, even though they've gone up quite a bit, it's still more affordable here than in some places. Um, all those factors, you know, having the university here and some other things so they can continue their education if they want to do so, all those factor in. And I would I would think that many of those teachers who are uh, at MTSU, for instance, and when they do their student teaching, a lot of them are in a Rutherford County school, and so they, they're familiar with the school system. There's probably also a, a chance to do a little recruiting of those uh, student teachers. For sure. So we have a great partnership with the university, and they've always been a big supporter of helping us with their education majors. Mm-hmm. You know, we operate Campus School, which is a laboratory school. The university owns it, but we staff it, and, and a lot of their teachers do some of their residency requirements with our teachers. And so those kinds of relationships help us when we're recruiting because they're already familiar with us. And like you said, we also place a lot of student teachers from the university program into our schools. And so uh, they already developed those relationships with administrators and with students and parents and fellow teachers. And so that gives them, you know, that that pipeline right into our school system mm-hmm. when they graduate and are ready to enter full time. Well, I, I wanted to mention that because, you know, it just seems like uh, every news outlet is reporting about the uh, teacher shortage and, you know, Rutherford County is, um, I guess we could take from that, well, Rutherford County's in that same boat, but we're in pretty good shape, you say. Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, though. There is a, absolutely a teacher shortage. Sure. We are seeing fewer teachers come out of the universities, and so with uh, with our region growing as much as it is, the Nashville region, we need more people to go into education, and, uh, and it's not just teachers. We need custodians. We need uh, education assistants and things like that. We, we have a lot of you know, food service, a lot of positions open that we need to fill, and so uh, I think it's a, a great place to work, especially if you have kids in school, because if you're a school-based employee, you're on that same schedule for the most part. So you get the same breaks as your children, like fall break and winter break, the holidays. And so it helps those parents, uh, you know, be in the workforce, but also manage and balance their, their, their family time as well. Mm-hmm. James Evans is with us. He is the communications director for Rutherford County Schools. Um, one interesting um, thing that we're going to spend the rest of our time here talking about, and uh, you kind of brought this up as as something to look at, and so I did a little research on uh, the new state law on uh, third grade retention, and it deals with reading and things of that nature. So maybe give us an overview of, of what that uh, is addressing, that new state law. Sure. Every school district right now is trying to help parents understand what this is. There's a new state law that goes into effect this school year. 
that says that third graders, I'm, I'm going to make this a simple version of explaining this, but all third graders have to meet or exceed the reading requirements on the TCAP later in the year. If they don't make a certain score on that test, they could be held back and have to repeat third grade. And I say could be because some of the concern is that people think that it's mandatory, or that there's it's just one test and it's done. A um, couple of things on that. We, we agree wholeheartedly with the intent of the law, which is to make sure that our third graders are ready for fourth grade. But we don't like that it's being tied to one data point, you know, because we, we, it's taking the control out of the schools who know the children mm-hmm. and know what their needs are. Is that data point the TCAP? Yeah, the data, okay. I mean, that's what it is. And you're, yeah. you're basically tying it to one test. Now, there are exceptions and options that we have, and we're trying to make sure parents understand those. We're rolling out a ton of information and resources for parents. So, for example, you're not uh, or you're exempt from this rule if your child is an English language learner or if they have a diagnosed reading disability. Those are a couple of examples. If they've been held back before in another grade, they don't we don't they won't be uh, they won't have to be held back for this one. We also can do some things that we're already doing, which is offer them some after school tutoring that they have to complete. And then also we have some summer camps that we've been in the last couple of years. They can go through that as well and they can retest and so there's some options there where that doesn't necessarily mean their child's not going to fourth grade. There's just some things you have to go through to get them. It means that they have some weaknesses they need to shore up. And so we have some, some things we'll be rolling out. These will be free resources. We've already been doing them the last couple of years for the pandemic, and so we're going to continue those. That's the We call them power hours, but it's the after-school tutoring programs that are free and in the summer camps, which are also free for anyone who wants to sign up. We're going to continue those things, and that will be something we will be using to help any parent whose child falls into this category and needs something else to make it to fourth grade. So why third grade? I mean, why was that grade singled out as, as one to make sure that you're reading at or above grade level? You know, I don't know if I know the exact answer to that. I do know that in third grade, that's where, especially in our district, that's where the grades become, before third grade, and this is in Rutherford County, we do what's known as a skills-based report card. So in K through two, when you get your child's report card, I have a child who's in first grade and I have one who just left second grade, so I'm pretty familiar with this report card. It tells you how's your, it measures how your child's doing with certain skills. When you get in the third grade is when students actually start earning those um those letter grades that you are more traditionally known for, like A's, B's, C's, and mm-hmm. so on. And that's the first year that the state makes it mandatory for students to start taking the TCAP. So that's one of those first big measurement years, which is probably why they chose third grade for that. But uh, I, to be honest, I don't know the history exactly of why they chose that grade, but I'm assuming that's why. And one thing that's interesting to note, if, if I have my uh, – years correct here this year's third graders would have been kindergartners in 2020 at the start of the pandemic so i guess there's also concern there that they may be behind already anyway absolutely so my third grader uh was one of those first his first year of school kindergarten um was when they closed in march when his kindergarten year was cut short and so we definitely have noticed within our own family some differences as far as pacing for our two children. I have an older child who obviously was not affected by the pandemic in kindergarten. And so we really noticed it in first grade that he just seemed to be a little off track from where his brother had been. Uh, But I do think some of these things that we've been doing with the summer camps and those things, my son participated in that, uh, they have really 
they've caught up. I mean, much of them have, but there are absolutely some who are still struggling. And, you know, you also have kids who do are not good test takers. That's just a, it's just not a skill that they're good at. And so you have parents and teachers alike who are concerned that a lot of weight is being put on, like I said earlier, one data point, one test. Uh, but that's why we want to make sure there's also other options that we can do with these children if they, they, if they don't pass with the right score to help them get to where they need to be before fourth grade starts. So let, let me just throw in a for instance here. Maybe a, a child is uh, in third grade is doing really well and, you know, in getting 90s or, or whatnot. Maybe that's their average in, in reading and then they score maybe just below normal on this test. Well, that's one of those situations where the teachers involved looks at how this child performs. Maybe it was just a bad test day, that right. kind of thing. So, I mean, th- it's going to be that kind of work looking into it. It's yeah, your TCAP scores traditionally count for a portion of your final grade, but it's obviously not a pass or fail situation, which is what this feels like. Yeah. And a lot of parents are, are concerned, rightly so, because that, that's what they think is going to happen. But we do have all these options. But to give you some perspective, in the state – only 38% of third graders, this is statewide, this is not Rutherford County, passed third grade reading at the level the state is now requiring. So the state's not going to let 62% of their third graders be held back. That would be a logistical nightmare. So that's why they have these other options. In Rutherford County, it's a little higher than that. We traditionally perform above the state average, and we definitely do in reading. Uh, But it's still a significant portion that would not meet this requirement. And so we have these other options to help parents and students so they can just bridge that gap and be ready for fourth grade. And again, the intent is for them to be ready for the rest of their school career. And that's a great objective to have. We just, we have some concerns about the way it's been rolled out. So if, I guess the the logic behind this is if they're behind in reading after third grade when they get to fourth grade, and they're already starting behind the eight ball, and then that can just progressively sure. get worse. They could get further behind. Right. And so one thing that we're telling parents know is that parents are always, what can I do at home to help my child? So yeah. first thing is read, read, read. We talk about that a lot. Uh, it doesn't have to be books. It can be menus. It can be coupon books, uh, you know, text messages, anything that uh, back of a cereal box, recipes, anything. Just make reading part of your culture at home. And then the other big gap we see with the reading is – is the comprehension and so our reading specialists encourage parents to ask their children questions about what they're reading ask them before they read a book what do you think this book's going to be about and then after they read it actually ask them some pointed questions about what did this mean and show me that in the book because that's the kind of questions they get asked on these tests I, I would think if whatever your child's special interests are, whatever they, you know, let's say that they love baseball, then then reading about baseball and the game and, the, you know, Major League Baseball, those kinds of things, whatever they're interested in, they're probably more likely to read, I guess. Yeah, so my son, my middle son is into Five Nights at Freddy, which is not my favorite thing for him to read, but he <laughs> loves it. And so we got him a book for his birthday and he's just pouring through it. But I've been able to sit down with my wife and I. We sit down and we'll read a few pages ourselves, and then we'll say, who's the main character in this section and how do you know that? And make him actually go through the text and point out sentences of, oh, it's right here. Um, oh, here's where that creepy environment was. Here's what makes it creepy. Because that's the kind of questions the test will ask. Prove what you just read. It's testing for comprehension. Did you just do more than just leisurely reading it? You're actually gathering information from the text, and that's what it's looking for in it. And it's just a new way of looking at reading. So uh, with 
parents who have concerns or questions, um, what would you suggest that, that they do in terms of um, trying to ask questions of how to help their child or, or whatnot? Would that start with their teacher? Absolutely. So teachers are great at giving them things they can do at home to help reinforce what's happening in the classroom. We've also put out these things this year called parent guides. There's one for every grade level. They're on our website. If you want to know what's my child covering in third grade or second grade or any grade, they can open this file up, download it. It tells them exactly what they're learning in second or third grade or any grade and what they can be doing at home to reinforce that. But also just check with your teacher. The teachers, these are professional educators who have all sorts of tips and tricks that you can use you know, to, at home that are not difficult and it would help reinforce what your child's trying to learn. Anything else that you'd like to mention about this uh, new law and how you're addressing it? Just that parents, they're going to be getting a ton of information for us. This is not going to be something that we're going to spring on parents during testing season. They're going to be learning things all year long to help them with their kids at home. So um, don't worry that you're going to get this uh, a week before the testing starts in the spring, right? Right. We don't want to spring this on them. They're, they're, we've already rolled out some information. We've got even more coming. Very good. James, I appreciate you coming in uh, and uh, kind of pinch hitting for the uh, school board this morning. Some very important information here, and uh, we look forward to um, our next conversation, whenever that might be. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely. That's James Evans joining us with Rutherford County Schools here today. And that is going to do it here for our show. Don't forget to check the podcast at WGNSSports.com and WGNSRadio.com for all of our local podcasts. Again, that's WGNSRadio.com under the podcast section.